Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. My guest today is Anne-Marie Rodriguez de Colleen. Anne-Marie is a coach and people consultant who helps people develop their mojo to create exceptional teams and leaders and to create working lives worth living. This is part one of a two-part interview I carried out in July 2020. And in this first section, we cover topics including vulnerability, trust, and human centricity. I'm sure you'll find this discussion on psychological safety and asking for help fascinating. I hope you enjoy it. And as usual, if you have comments or questions, please drop them below or send us an email to sparks at igniumconsult.com. Yeah, so we're talking about competition. <clears throat> and I cannot remember the players or the athletes, rather, they're not players, they're, they're runners. And I saw this meme the other day, this, this video the other day, about this Spanish run, runner and um, I, I want to say an African runner. I don't follow sports, so I cannot put the pieces together, but, but, the, but the message was the same. So apparently they were running and um, the African runner was going to win. Right. But, but the, he, he, could not, he misread the signage and got a bit lost and confused yeah, yeah. Right towards the end of this of this race, and the Spanish runner caught up with him and directed him to the finish line. Yeah. And people asked the Spanish runner, "Why didn't you just overtake him and and win?" Yeah. And the the the, the Spanish runner's response was, you know, I think it was something like, "My mother didn't raise me that way," you know, but because it wasn't the right thing to do, that's not. There's no honor in that win. Mm-hmm. But previously, um, in business. That is exactly what you intended to do. Mm-hmm. It's, that's not what I think we're doing today. Yeah, and, and it's only, I admitted that story, actually, and I'm glad you reminded me that, because actually I read that, and it's the type of story that brings a tear to my eye. Just to hear about, um, yeah, it's competition, but it's actually about you know, that honourability thing. And I love that thing about, you know, it's not the way my mother raised me. Um, because actually that's it. Whereas in, I have this view, and it's sometimes it's a bit of a, uh, a rose-tinted glasses view of the world to say actually we should all do that because actually we could do so much better if we all worked on stuff together if we yeah. just all collaborated to achieve something rather than seeing people locking on saying right we're going to try and beat the enemy yeah i just think that, i think we could do something better and it's trying to get that mentality to people absolutely but it's but it's not just the mentality it's the tools on how to do these things right we have we have this expectation that because we've we graduate from school yeah. And we and we now we're 18 and now we're adults and now we know something and now we're going to be better people, right? And the older you get, because <laughs> I'm a woman of a certain age, so there's this expectation that people my age are should know better, should do better. And look at our politicians, right? They're supposed to be doing better. Bless them. I think they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't even know, they don't have a clue. And it's because when we're talking about you and I have been talking about language and the way in which we, we are currently communicating difficult concepts like white privilege or, or, or privilege generally, or white fragility, you have to learn how to have these conversations. Yeah. You have to learn. And so these, so you're learning it in that context, but the skills that you're learning about how to have difficult conversations about how to, about how to hold yourself accountable, about how to hold your your own vulnerability in those moments. Yeah. If you yeah. can master them here, you're going to be able to apply them everywhere else as well. Yeah. But we don't work on any of those skills as a 
um, we work in the moment, you know, so we work, I, I think, so we work on, um, let's be, let's, let's have a vision as an independent idea, but not how do we, how do we, what's the, if we have a vision, great, but what else, what all the, the, the smorgasbord of skills that we need in order to, to not just bring the vision to life, but to, to create a better experience as we all work towards that. And I, I, I totally agree, actually, and it's interesting. Um, I often talk to people, when I, when I, one of the bits of my work is around helping people create value in their business. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I love working with, with medium, medium, small enterprises to say, okay, how do you grow the value? And some people come and say, look, I don't want to grow the value because I'm not looking at selling my business. And I say to them, it's not about selling your business, it's about creating value. And value comes from creating a business that's a nicer place to work, that engages people. And by the way, by doing that, we're going to bring our clients along with us. We're going to engage our suppliers and make it a better place. And even if you never want to sell, it will just make your life better. You'll get more out of it. And, and to me, having that vision of something in the future to say, this is what we're aiming to achieve, you can do so much better with a business that's valuable because all the things are in place mm. to create a business that just makes itself work it brings now i always think it brings more passion and power to humanity totally agree with you but you know again that goes back to how it used to be how what how we were trained if it wasn't if it didn't hurt you weren't you, it, it wasn't good you know whether it was exercise i grew up in the jane fonda exercise years you know <laughs> <laughs> really like Ooh, if it didn't hurt you weren't you know you feel, what was it called you know, feel the feel the burn, burn. you yeah. know no pain no gain all that kind of stuff right but it's the same thing about it if you know um uh we we, we grew up mm-hmm. we you know either in life and in business um, suspecting people who were generous, you know, sus- suspecting their in- their intentions mm-hmm. for no other reason except we were supposed to. There must be an ulterior yeah, to what's their ultimate motive. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently about um, when I was when I left the United States. I was I was quite young, and um, and I had been in my very first job, and I was <laughs> always the woman who like glass glass half full, almost almost <laughs> spilling out, right. So very happy. And I had colleagues who were like, shut up. You're just annoying me all the time. And there was a dance class, a dance school across the street from my office. And I took these dance classes there and you would pay for like 10 classes at a time. And, um, and I was, I had decided that I had bought my, my 10 tickets. I had only used two and I had decided I was going to leave and move to Spain. So I gave the ticket to one of my colleagues and she kept giving it back to me. And I, and I was like, but, but you go to the same dance school. Why do you keep giving this back to me? Yeah. And it was a thing. Like, it was a thing. And finally, I, I was like, what, what is happening? And she's like, well, I don't want to pay for it. And, and you weren't even offering it. Yeah. I don't want your money. I just don't want them to be thrown away. Like, I, why would I? She, anyway, we spent another week having this discussion. She could not understand why I wouldn't want the money. And I thought that stuck with me. It really did stick with me because I thought that is exactly the tension that we have. That again, going back to this, you know, the, this idea of privilege. That if we were to share power, if we were to share opportunities, if we were to share privilege, this belief that that would t- mean that we would have less. But the pie is not. Yeah. Inf- you know, the pie is rather infinite. 
actually it's interesting actually you know, <clears throat> i often talk to people about you know when you're sharing knowledge um and actually by me giving you some of my knowledge doesn't diminish my knowledge uh, and i always use the analogy it's like you having a candle me having a candle and i'm going to bring my candle to yours and actually what happens when you bring two candles together the flame gets bigger yeah and mine doesn't go out we've got two candles now you've got some of it and i've got some of it. but we've got a bigger candle between us when we put them together and yeah. i think that's what it's about and and if you can just get that you know bring your light to the world whatever the world words you want to use you can do more by doing that and um the, the thought that's gone through my head is that i often talk to people about money being energy uh, and and money is energy because you know if i owe you money it creates an energy between us if you owe me any money it's energy you know, I believe that the work I do and the money I get, the money is the applause I get from people for doing a good job. So therefore, I bring value to the party. And the more value I can bring, the more money I can make. And with the more money I can make, I can do good in the world in other ways. But I have to make sure I do, val- I do valuable things, whatever those valuable things are. Mm. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people resent money. And you're right, they resent people having wealth. For certain reasons, but actually, my view is actually we build this wealth and abundance. Use that word abundance, and by saying actually, there's more to go around. We can all bring it together, and then we can do better things with it. Ultimately, yeah, whatever that wealth means. Yeah, but you, but you, you know, you raise a good point about uh, about value, about what what is valuable to us. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to know what is what you value. And why you why you're doing what you're doing, whether it's sweeping the streets or running the government, God help us. <laughs> yeah, they're on both sides of the Right? It's when we are not putting enough time as as leaders. You know, I, I'm very obsessed with the idea of time at the moment because it doesn't seem that there is ever enough of it. If we don't make that time to have these thoughts, to have these conversations with ourselves about what we value, then we we. We don't, we don't see it when we receive it. We don't recognize it when it comes our way. I, I think that's where, from a money perspective, that, that lends itself to issues around pricing. You know, how we, yeah. so you talked about, you, you, you know, with you, you, you feel that when you get paid, it's kind of your, your applause, right? Yeah, silent applause for a good job well done is the phrase right? I often use. Exactly. But for some people, you know, um, what are they prepared to pay for? And if you have no sense of, of what your what the value is beyond beyond the um, the money, if you like it, you know, if, if it's if it's, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example of you know, you and I both work in an industry where we're not providing um, uh, the tangibles, if you like, but there is inherent value in that. You're right, and, and it's interesting. I, I was leading a something the other day. There's a I won't say who it is, but there's someone in America who I follow who, who provides a lot of motivation for people. Um, and this person has been doing it for 43 years. He's brilliant at it, I think. Um, and he provides a service. It, and that service is about motivating people, helping people feel their best selves, um, helping them cut through the crap that stops them pushing themselves forwards. Mm. And, and if you Google his name, you come up with all sorts of things. And, and there's thousands and thousands of positive reviews but then there's also those few negative reviews about him you know looking at making money out of people and preying on people who have got emotional anxiety and that and one of the reviews i read recently says this person provides no product he's not like and i can't remember i think they used an example he's not like a drug company that provides a product he just provides words now my view is those words are really powerful in the right hands and it's the same as anything, isn't it? You can manipulate people with words in a good way and a bad way. 
I can manipulate my own thoughts for, for the good and for bad. And this person, I believe, does an amazing job because what he goes out to do is just create good in the world mm. and change people's lives and help them step up. So his product is 43 years of knowledge about transferring that knowledge so I can then go out in the world and do good myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you can read the books on it. But either way, yeah. some people see it as good and some people see it as negative. Yeah. But that's, that's interesting to you about, you know, the concept of, of what are they providing? It's not a product. It's such a fixed mindset, right, for that individual. And, um, and products, you know, it, any product, whether it's the, uh, a tangible widget in your hand or an idea is only as valuable as the person who chooses to receive it. You know, you look at, so I have a thing for handbags. <laughs> if ever you want to bribe me, give me a handbag. <laughs> But, <laughs> but there's a reality, you know, you, yes, you have the cheapest, poorest quality handbags and yes, you have the best quality handbags, but in between you have pretty much the same, the same old, same old and the prices. Yeah. Are completely, you know, off the Richter scale for no reason whatsoever, except I'm willing to buy or rather I'm willing to receive when someone else buys for me. <laughs> Um, a handbag that I personally see as valuable. My husband will buy me a handbag. He has no idea. He looks at it and what, why am I paying this money for this particular handbag? He would never do it normally because he doesn't see any value in it. Whereas I just like to have it. And that's the difference between price and value. It fascinates me. One, one thing, it's slightly, slightly changed, but I love it on your website. You say something about um, you, you, you want to mobilize people to fulfill their true soul-satisfying potential while doing their best damn work of their careers. Mm-hmm. And I love that as a phrase because that's about bringing, to me, that says passion about bringing it and understanding your values at core. Fundamentally, people get up in the morning and nobody sets out to, be, to do the worst job of their career or to be the biggest jackass of their, you know, that they can be. People genuinely want to do a good job. People genuinely want to be appreciated for their, for bringing some value. And so I want to help people to do that. It used to be, we were going to be in work over the course of our lifetimes for approximately a hundred thousand hours over the course of our lifetime. Okay. okay. Today and in this COVID world, we're pretty much at work 24 seven. So who knows what that's going to you know look like. And if we're not able to accept that there is no divide between work and life, between the parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. and therefore we need to be able to, um, to find satisfaction, to, since, to have the tools that we require to be our best, that every job, every, every project, every whatever we do is the best that it can be because we get off on that. It's, it's amazing, right? Yeah. But that but that we do it in a manner that is not to the detriment of somebody else along the way. You know, so, so for me, it's about, I talk about human centricity, this, this, this approach, this, this leadership approach that puts the well-being and development of the people of the organization at the heart of the business strategy. Because if you do that and people are able to, um, to, to literally independently be their best selves, co- collectively be their best selves. They thrive as human beings. Yeah, yeah. The business thrives. The customers thrive. So that's where it comes from is this, you know, I believe truly we, we may not all have the means with which 
to get there. We may not know how to find it within ourselves. We may not know how to help others to achieve it, but ultimately I believe we do want that. Mm. And if I can help in any way, yeah. um, that's what, what, what gets me up in the morning. That's what drives my mojo. <laughs> and I know that you use that word mojo a lot, and I was going to come back to that in a minute. Um, before I do that, I think this thing about um, people, people don't know how to do something. We, 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 no one gets up in the morning to go and do a bad job, and I agree with that totally. Mm. Um, but some people don't have the tools or capability yet to be able to do it, and, or they haven't got the tools or capability to help other people do it. Mm-hmm. And our job as coaches and, and whatever we do in the world is to come and help people and, and guide them. We don't have all the answers, but we can look in the books and find some of the answers. Or we can just put our arm metaphorically around them and say, this is the way we're going to go. How does that work for you? Yeah. you know, as, as coaches, there's either the, the, the non-directive or the directive approach. In my view, you can do a bit of both. And through the tools we've got, and one, one tool someone came to me recently, which, which I'd forgotten about, was the concept of servant leadership. Um, and it was something that I just had to, to research a bit about. And I remember watching a, a video with Ken Blanchard a couple of years ago talking about servant leadership and how the leader sat there and it was their responsibility to guide people and give people the opportunity to thrive, give them the tools and support them all the way along. And to me, when you said about human centricity, to me, that's where you need a leader who can sit there in the center and say, I'm here to support you. And I know in doing so, we'll do good for the business the community and the world around us. And the thing is, as a leader, right, <clears throat> is there comes a point where you, 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 are, you are expected to be the leader and therefore very little of those resources are there, actually there available for you. We continuously evolve. That, that, that's just human nature, right? We continuously evolve. Um, whether we want to or not, we can't help it. And, um, and so every time we, you know, we, we, we create a new solution, a new success always will come new, um, opportunities, but new challenges, new issues, new problems. And when we believe that we are, we are the pinnacle of that leader, then we can easily get, um, uh, caught up in, uh, the fixed mindset or the, or the, you know, where we, where we don't look for other input, where we don't look yeah. for, um, for that collaboration, that communication that allows us the headspace, right. To, to think about, well, what do other people need? What do I need? What does the business need? How do we make this work together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so it doesn't matter how high up the chain you go. And, you know, it's funny, I work with a lot of um, small business owners. Okay. And um, and one of the reasons I've noticed that they've come to me is exactly for this conversation, because you, you know, yes, they're successful. They are successful business owners, right? But they would have, they potentially left their corporate career mm-hmm. in their early thirties because they were clever and talented and they could, and they went out and they did their thing. Now their business leaders growing exponentially. Yeah. There's no one above them to, Kind of, yeah, you know, there's no one above them. Um, you know, they there are there are always networks and and places where you can get support and and, and mentorship. Mm. But to be able to have these conversations and to to be able to share those vulnerabilities and check in with yourself and continue to evolve to make that space outside of the day to day workings 
um, I think is where coaching really comes mm. into its fore. You know, I I, I apologize because I, I had another thought, but I've digressed. So I've like where I was going. Well, here's my thought, and I think what you've just you've just touched on something which I've been talking about for a number of people this week. Um, so Kerry, my business partner, has just mm-hmm. completed a qualification in Agile HR. Lovely. And, and to me, I'm congratulating her on that. I'm doing it for two reasons. One is she stepped up and realised it's a skill set she wanted to work on. She's realised she can create time to do it. And to me, that's this growth mindset. It's believing we always can be moving forwards. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I love the fact you work with small business or medium business as well. And says that most businesses want to continue growing. They also say we're just on the growth path. But as businesses grow, they hit brick walls in their, their development cycle. And at some stage, they might plateau or they hit yeah. some other uncertainty. And to me, those ones who would go through it and push up the other sides are one who re- evaluate what's going on, review who they are, and learn something new. And that growth mindset versus fixed mindset is, actually, do you know, we, we don't know at all. I can go ahead and ask other people. Um, and that thing about being vulnerable. Sometimes as a business leader, and I use that word leader rather than owner at this stage, as a business leader, we need to say, I don't know how to do this. I'm looking for some help. Who might be able to guide me? And I think that's the mindset that I want to work with people on. Um, but some people still don't, they, they don't know how to make time for their own growth. Yes, absolutely. Time, I'm time, absolutely. Mm. It's very hard, you know, when every minute of every day feels like it's, there's, there just isn't enough, right? Um, and you get into that cycle. You know, neurologically, we know what happens to the chemicals in the brain that put us into that into that cycle, right? So it's very difficult once we once we're in it to pull ourselves out of it. And so, leading on from what you were just saying, you know, the the other piece to making the time for ourselves, but is also finding our own safety, right? So we talk about the critical importance of psychological safety for growth amongst our teams, amongst amongst individuals, among within society, but. So if you're the business leader, if you're the top of the t- chain and you're in a plateau and you're, you, you know, you, and even if you're not at the top of the chain, you're just one of the top, it's even worse in that case, right? So then you have people above you, you have peers, everybody's vying for the two job spots, right? Yeah. At the top. It, it is really critically important that you find a space to feel safe psychologically, mm-hmm. that, you, that you can um, allow yourself to reflect on the mistakes in a way that isn't about pleasing somebody else's expectations, but to really intuitively, in, in, in inherently rather, yeah. explore what's being discussed, explore what, what's what's happening for you, yeah. explore yeah. your own evolution. And I and again, that's I think you know when people look to if you're not in a very large networked organization and you're a, you're a business owner in your own group you have to look outside of your organization potentially to find those mentors and sponsors and, um, and, to, and, and people don't like, you know, they want it to be organic. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're talking about is actually you, you, you have to find, you do have to work harder um, to find that safety, especially if you're working all the time, where are yeah. you going to create those relationships and, and nurture those relationships and finding a good coach? I, th- I feel like we're, sal- we're doing a sales pitch, but it's not about that. No, right. It's the problem when you get two passionate coaches talking about coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What you said just actually think about as well is um, how easy is it for someone to find a coach within their organization? And my, my best view on this is you need someone who's neutral, who doesn't, doesn't need to get involved in the politics, doesn't 
sit in the middle of the orgasm you can sit outside and see stuff on the field that you can't see so to speak mm. supporting around you. and i think you know i want to be able to help individuals develop themselves and develop a coaching mentality but i think for a real coaching or inter- inter- um, interaction i believe it needs to be someone external mm-hmm. somebody who can, who can then look in and ask the naive questions and ask the, the challenging questions with no potential understanding what's going on Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is such a difference between leader as coach and then coach. Yeah. I really believe that. I, I agree with you. I think having a coaching approach to any conversation is, is really tremendously valuable. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is false to believe that it does not come with some bias because you're in that environment together. Yeah. Right? yeah and you understand it. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, an external coach, I think, is I would agree with you completely. It's they they are like they allow you and enable you to have slightly deeper conversations about your own baggage, your own stuff yeah. um, that you wouldn't really want to do. I think leader as coach is so critical because it it you know it, it is kind of a there is a mentor component to it, but the coaching questions, the inquisitive questions that allow you to find your own answers. Are so are so valuable in that setting. The coach, external coach, is the one that really will go so much deeper. The learning that that this the internal learnings I think are so much deeper. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. carry so much more weight. Yeah. Well, that concludes our time on this episode. Thank you, Anne Marie, for your time and contribution. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot from this episode and I look forward to following up on our next one soon. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating. Or send us an email to sparks at avmconsult.com. Hold up. 